Hello, I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. A few weeks back, Katie and I talked about the unexpected magic of Italy and how, like maybe nowhere else in the world, Sometimes you could just be wandering around on an ordinary street or in the middle of a forest or in the middle of the countryside and you come across something amazing and totally unexpected. And today I want to talk a little bit about a very, very small and little known neighborhood in Rome that fits that bill perfectly. It's not really even a neighborhood. You can't really call it that because it's, it basically amounts to one piazza and like a block on each side leading up to the piazza, four blocks in total. So you can't really call that a neighborhood, but it is this little hidden secret pocket of the city that many, many people don't know is there. Most Romans, I suppose, know that it's there. Not that they've all been there, um, but tourists, I'm pretty sure, never never find it. If they did randomly happen to come upon it, I think they would be quite shocked. Um, Now, the neighborhood that I'm talking about, which I will call a neighborhood just for the sake of, uh, (laughs) because I don't know what other word to call it, um, is called Copede. And the name Copede comes from the name of the architect who designed all of the buildings in that very small four block radius, Gino Copede. So he's an architect who's living at the turn of the 20th century. And in fact, the work that I'm talking about, the architectural design that he was responsible for in the Copede neighborhood uh, was all done between 1913 and 1927. So first of all, where is this area? This area is in the northern part of the city. It's not in the historic center, but it's also not extremely far from the historic center. It's basically due north. If you know Via Nomentana, uh, Corso Trieste, it's up in that general area. But because it's such a small area, it's a place that is very easy to miss. Or it is a place that is very surprising when you do come across it. I have known of the existence of this neighborhood for many years because I've mentioned it in lots of articles for the magazine that I work for, or I've edited lots of articles that talk about it. So I've seen pictures of it. It's one of those places, though, that if you don't have any reason to be up in that part of town, you're not going to come across it. The only major attraction that's anywhere near it is the um, Villa Torlonia. Now, Aurelio and I decided a couple weeks before school started to go on a little one of our Saturday adventures to a museum, and we went back to Villa Torlonia, his request, because he loves the Owl House. And I've talked about the Owl House on uh, a much, much earlier bittersweet moment that you can listen to. It's just called Owl House. So it's pretty easy to find if you search for it. And I really, when I went when he was three, but he wanted to go back. So we went again. Um, but in that neighborhood, I happened to notice is not far from Copede. So I said, okay, we're going to go there. Finally, after 18 years of living in Rome, I am going to make a concerted effort to see this place. And let me tell you, it does not disappoint. This four block 
neighborhood is so unique. It is so unusual. It is so not what you would expect in the city of Rome. If you've been to Rome, you know that the architecture that you get here is very Baroque. A lot of times, especially if you're in Trastevere, you can find late medieval architecture or early Renaissance architecture. Uh, certain parts of the city have a lot of big turn of the century buildings that were created during the, um, the unification of Italy in the late 1800s or early 1900s. But these are sort of really big, uniform and not kind of characterless buildings that you will see along major streets when they built the major streets at that time. And then, of course, you've got a little bit of fascist architecture, a little rationalist architecture thrown in there that popped up when Mussolini was in power and some neoclassical architecture as well. That's basically what you get. You don't really get anything else. This neighborhood, the Copa de neighborhood, was designed in a mixture of Art Nouveau and Art Deco style. Technically, Art Nouveau had passed by the 1920s and were pretty much in Art Deco style, but this architect did not feel himself bound by any particular style. And so he combines Art Nouveau, which they call Liberty style here in Italy, uh, Art Deco with also Greek influences, Gothic influences, Baroque influences, and even some medieval influences. So you get this neighborhood that looks like it's kind of out of a fairy tale. That's really what it seems like. The very center of the neighborhood is Piazza Mincio. And Piazza Mincio is a round piazza with a fountain in the middle called the Fountain of the Frogs. It's very much inspired by the types of fountains that John Lorenzo Bernini designed, specifically the ones at the north and south end of Piazza Navona, except it's decorated with frogs. So you've got that in the center, and then all the way around it, you've got these really unusual and very large and impressive buildings. Some of them are embassies. Some of them are apartment blocks. But they are all so strange. I'll definitely include some photos when this episode goes to air. So check out our social media for that. But just a few details that I can describe. One of the buildings is called the Palazzo del Ragno, the Palace of the Spider. And as Aurelio well knows, and most people in my life know, I am arachnophobic. I really, truly cannot stand spiders to the point that I can't even see a photograph of a spider without freaking out or, you know, like a toy spider, anything. Like, I am not a spider person. And Aurelio, of course, tried to freak me out by pointing out this huge, enormous image of a spider on the top of the door of this building. And it's not just a, an image of a spider. It is on a spider web as well. And uh, if you're arachnophobic like me, it's a little bit freaky. But at the same time, it is beautifully and artistically done. And the building itself, like all of the buildings in this neighborhood, are just full of detail. The stonework is incredible. And in fact, Gino Copede was, as well as being an architect, he was a stone worker, a master carver. He was from Florence, where the tradition of carving stone, not just making sculptures, but carving the stones that would be used to build the buildings was a very, very important part of the culture of that city. So you've got these, these buildings with incredibly detailed stonework with images of giant faces, lion's heads, 
all sorts of fantastical creatures like seahorses and um, they're all different. They're all unusual. They're all unexpected. Bees and frogs and dragons, things like this. Things that you just, your eye can't really take it in all at once. One of the streets that leads up to Piazza Mincio is called Via Dora, and that's sort of the unofficial entryway to the Copa dei neighborhood. And the building that is built on that street, it actually, it's on both sides of the street, and there is an arch over the street where cars can pass to get to get into the square. And underneath that arch is a huge chandelier just hanging there in the middle of the street outside. Um, this is what I mean when I just say unexpected and magical. This chandelier has these tiny little, they look sort of like a shield, like a medieval shield, but much, much smaller, or the kind of banner that you would see hanging off of a medieval castle, and the image on these little tiny versions of these banners, uh, metal banners, if you can picture that, are seahorses. So it's a whimsical place. It's very fantastical. There are also a number of what they call villine there, um, little villas that are literally called fairy villas. That's what they're called. And that's what they look like. If you want to picture yourself, the Hans, Hansel and Gretel, like the gingerbread house, this is what it looks like. I mean, it doesn't look like it's made of candy, but lots of the buildings are actually frescoed and have tiny little columns, little circular windows. So that's the sort of medieval style coming in, the wooden roof that hangs over the edge of the building. Then the gates. The gates are made of iron, uh, obviously. That's not surprising. <laughs> but they have they are worked in such an elaborate way with all sorts of designs and bizarre details and again mythical figures strange animals the buildings also have like many different levels especially the little fairy villas the so-called fairy villas you know like little turrets and tiny little towers picture the hollow in harry potter which is the name of ron's house you know with all the different levels built one on top of the other and little side rooms kind of stuck hanging out over the edge and another little roof on top of that and another one on top of that and tiny little rooms. That's what it looks like there, except it's all done extremely tastefully and in a way that shows that it, it actually was planned and it's not just built for necessity. So I wanted to share this with you because it's a place in the city that hardly anybody goes. And even look, I lived here for 18 years and knew about it for most of that time and never managed to go there until just a couple weeks ago. And I loved it. It was also sort of drizzling when we went. And when we set out, I said to Aurelio, oh, it's raining. Can you believe it? The weather's been gorgeous all week, and today it's raining. And he said, oh, mama, that'll just make it cozier. And he was right. The rain, the gray skies just made that fantastical little neighborhood even more of a fairyland. I hope you have a chance to visit the Copa de Neighborhood next time you're in Rome. And thank you so much for listening. Join us again. Bye. Do you have a topic you want us to explore? Send your requests. We'd love to hear what you want to know. Visit thebittersweetlife.net and contact us with your questions, your adventures, your observations, your favorite episodes. We love hearing from you. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. Thank you.